Maloni, kia orana, and welcome to Champions of the Pacific. I'm Tale Anderson. And I'm Sally Jane Hopgood, and today we continue to bring to you unique stories from our Pacific athletes from then and now, here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and in the region. Today we look at a Tongan bodybuilder taking out this year's Mr. IMC competition in his homeland and how Ikale Tahi and Manu Samoa are doing after their games against New Zealand. But first, I spoke to Fila Fuomatsu, who never imagined that at 27 years old she would be representing Samoa not in just one, but three sports. She thrived playing sports in school but never took it seriously, growing up in a religious home where sport wasn't played on Sunday. But after moving to Samoa as a trained teacher in 2006, she quickly found herself selected to play in the 2007 South Pacific Games. She tells us how her surprise selection opened her eyes to how sport can be used to transform people's lives. Trained teacher is my background, so I went to go and teach um, in Samoa. I went with a friend and we were helping a Bible school, so it was part of the church. Uh, but while I was there, they had like a touch uh, so I thought, oh, I want to find a touch team to play with. So one of the girls, she was at the National University, and so she said, come play for their team. So I ended up playing, so that was 2006. But then 2007 was the South Pacific Games. It was hosted in Samoa. That's when I got you know, selected um, to be in the women's team and the mixed team. So, I, you know, like that whole, I didn't take it serious until later in Samoa. And then that's when I actually trained and... Yeah, for me, that was like a dream to be representing country. Um, also ended up being the captain of the women's team. It was really, yeah, that was an honour too. So um, I ended up working for the um, ministry after that because it was like playing touch and then mentioning to my friend, oh, man, I think I want to be a PE teacher from the experience. And then that's when she said to me, oh, why, why do you want to um, why, why be a PE teacher when you can change the sport of a nation? But that's when I didn't know there was a job for the ministry. And then that opened up more doors and opportunities. So sport wasn't just a player's elite athlete. That's mm. when my eyes opened up to sports, the vehicle, for so much more. And um, working in the villages, that's where you could see everyone comes and plays every evening. Um, but then that could also be a place where, you know, you can talk about things that might be happening in the village, um, young people's issues or women's issues, so it was actually a way that we could gather, people could gather, but we could deal with other things too. Fela worked in sport for several years in Samoa, between representing Samoa again, but this time in sevens and weightlifting, before returning to New Zealand to pick up where she left off. Now she's leading the sport and movement portfolio at the Cause Collective, a social change organisation focused on the well-being of Pacific peoples in South Auckland communities. In her work, she's advocating for a change in the sports sector, as there are little to no locally-led programmes or movement initiatives funded by Sport New Zealand to focus solely on getting the targeted population of Pacifica people healthy and active. The investment isn't reaching our, our people. So even though um, policy says, you know, get Pacific people participating, Pacific people high in obesity, when it translates to what's actually being done, there's... Yeah, <laughs> nothing really been done. So example of um, showing that difference is we have our regional sports trusts and you think highest population south, uh, smallest population north shore. And so you look at south and there's no programs that are funded specifically targeting um, Pacific people. You know, when we talk about injustice, <laughs> it doesn't, it's not right. Um, even if you think of the funding, so they do have funding that can come to areas, 
So South Auckland has 1.9 million designated to, um, for people to apply for that funding to get our people active. But even that, it's hard to access for our groups. So um, what we would look at is what's the real problem? Like if you've got that money there, you've got these people who want to get our people active, but then you've also got an organisation who's mandated to try and get everyone in South Auckland active, but no one goes to their programmes. There's something wrong. So that's where we're like, okay, um, let's do something that's different. One way of doing this is through the Village Games Movement, a platform for Māori and Pacific people in South Auckland to celebrate their culture and identity by playing their traditional village games. Celebrated in conjunction with each Pacific Language Week, Village Games Movements is a way to begin conversations with Māori and Pacific people to learn about their lived experiences in Aotearoa and the barriers they face being active. No one's really looking at that space of what are the traditional games of Pacific people. So if you were to get our people moving, <laughs> what what could you do? So that was um, working with community champions. We've done seven, seven videos. So every language week, we would go and find the community champions that knew about the um, knew about the traditional games, and so um, that was that was awesome. So it was it was we would find out that um, so some some were concerned that the knowledge isn't being passed on. So this was something different because now we're we're posting something up that was usually passed on, or you just played it. So. Um, for example, the Cook Islands game, we went, we, um, went to Kijli and shared that game. Cook Island kids from the actual island where the game came from, they'd never experienced it. But even just that pride of playing something from their own country and, you know, you think of curriculum uh, out south, majority, you know, Pacific kids, and yet they're not um, also getting or knowing about their own games in yeah. the school system or probably not at home as well. Essentially, the Village Games movement brings together collective communities' voice to drive policy change so Māori and Pacific communities in South Auckland are supported to use their traditional village games to achieve good health and well-being. You know, to get our people moving, it's got to involve our culture. Um, Games is a good way to teach culture and identity, and it is a good way to bring people together. So um, kind of those things that I talked about living and working in Samoa, you know, like now you're in Aotearoa, that disconnect, um, and that's a clear thing too here in Aotearoa is not knowing or having a connection back home. Um, so Village Games is not a program. It's become like um, it's a platform, like a, we want to create that movement to celebrate, amplify and validate our ways of moving. So these are our traditional ways of moving and that this is a platform in which to start having the conversations with our people in terms of what do they want to do. So instead of mainstream creating the programs the approach we've we've done is like a tester of yeah. if we can do this i'm not kiribas but we are pacific we know how to approach engage you know that talanoa to share um it can be done but it's working with the community um, their leaders who they see as their cultural advisors and we're, we're we're believing that this can be yeah this is the way to go yeah to this is the way to go to help our people approach and start to with you know, what they know, um, their culture, um, their leaders engage, and then also if they've got the funding and the resource to be able to support this going out into schools or even if they want to do it in their communities, work with them. Now, for decades, there have been many debates as to whether bodybuilding is considered a sport. 
Do you think it's a sports alley? Uh, you know what? I'm going to say yes. I think anything that requires some mental, you know, strength is a sport for me. Yeah, well, according to New York Times, they say that the Amateur Athletic Union, which governs such sports in America as track and field, swimming and boxing, considers bodybuilding a sport and conducts competition in it. They say that bodybuilders consider themselves as athletes and showmen because they spend hours in the gym lifting weights to build muscle. And I think we can all agree that the most important figure in the history of bodybuilding is Austrian-born American bodybuilder Arnold Schwarzenegger, who won the Mr. Olympia title seven times. But it's not Arnold that we're highlighting today. Instead, it's bodybuilder from Donga who sees his inspiration is the very own Arnold Schwarzenegger. I spoke to Dayami Tuifua, who was crowned Mr. RMC, which stands for Real Man Construction, at the end of May this year, a competition run by Donga Bodybuilding Federation. Dayami Tuifua came second last year, and so obviously this year he only had one goal in mind, and that was to come first place. So good, felt great, and felt like all the hard work that I, the last couple months paid off. I was just always into fitness and working out and being in the gym and just seeing my body evolve and just changing. So I just started competing three years ago. But, yeah, I just grew up playing American football in the States and stuff. So it was always me being in the gym and stuff. Dewey Fua started training for this year's Mr. RMC competition in January right up until May. For Dui Fua, to maintain immaculate from throughout training, that meant sacrificing his favourite food choices that were high in calories and time socialising with his friends. Just thinking about the end result, if I wanted to be first or second, so that's what kind of kept me away from eating cookie and chocolate cake and all that. So ice cream, pizza, and some tongue food, <laughs> that's what kept me focused. Yeah, like going out, hanging out with my friends, I kind of just stayed home and been a hermit and just socialized on social media on my phone. <laughs> so I didn't really go out that much. You know, it was kind of getting used to it over the years, though. So and my friends and family kind of understand. Now, Tale, how often do you think Dayami Duifo went to the gym each day? More than I do in a month, probably. Um, no, but I'll say something insane like five times a day. Not quite. He tells me that he went at least twice to three times a day. In the morning, he would do cardio, and then midday, he would do weight training. And he tells me that when it got closer to competition day, he would go three times a day to the gym. So he would do weight training in the evening as well as during the day. Now that's commitment. And he says balancing responsibilities as a Tongan wasn't really hard. Stay in the city, so didn't really go out to the bush or anything. It's just worked in gym and you know stayed home prep my food just train harder and more strict on my diet and yeah, it was really determined and focused this time see my body change and and i love uh bodybuilding being on stage and just showcasing my hard work Dayami Duifua will be competing in the biggest bodybuilding competition in Donga called Mr. Donga, which is on the 26th of November 2021. Over the weekend, two Pacific teams took to the rugby field to take on the best in the game. Manu Samoa played their second game against the Māori All Blacks, losing in the end, and Ikaletahi struggled to get a point against the All Blacks. 
This weekend, Manu Samoa and Ikaletahi will play their first of two World Cup qualifying matches, one in Auckland and the following weekend in Hamilton. Samoa's coach, Seilala Mapusua, was pleased with his team's effort in the last two games against the Māori All Blacks, and the hard task for him is choosing his starting lineup. I think uh, we're in a good position, um, but by that I mean uh, there's going to be some difficult selections to make from the coaches, and I think uh, you know, the, the players have, have made our job a little bit harder, so um, yeah, that, that's what I'm seeing at the moment, and um, I think... Uh, We've got a great, uh, even, even stronger foundation to work from now. Mr Mapusua says they're fortunate to have two matches leading up to their game against the Tongan side as it served as a strong preparation ground for Manu Samoa. I think the, these two games against the Maoris have uh, put us in a, in a really good position. Um, you know, we're not, we're a really important couple of weeks coming up with the World Cup qualifiers. So, um, whilst, whilst there's a... Uh, there's also a lot of other factors at play, um, such as travel restrictions and, and everything, but uh, in terms of the months I'm on where we're at, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy. Donga's build-up for the All Blacks game wasn't as straightforward as they would have wanted. Donga coach Totsai Kefu laid bare some facts which highlighted the grave disparity between the respective rugby nations. The most concerning was that many of his players had to pay for their border isolation out of their own pockets. They were then faced with so many unavailable players, either reluctant or blocked from returning from their Northern Hemisphere bases, that they had to call up 13 deputants. Mr Kefu says the players are quick to move on from their loss against the All Blacks and they're focusing on their next assignment this weekend. In the current climate, in, in, for us in any climate, it, it's, it's, it's a challenge. Then you add the COVID on top of that, it's, it becomes more of a challenge. But, you know... You look in in all the campaigns I've gone through, our boys they don't complain or moan. Maybe just get on with it. You know, we don't stay and focus on negatives and we didn't get this, we didn't get that. We just wait. We move on. I mean, COVID's obviously a layer of difficulty. You've got the French Championships and the English Premiership Championships, pretty much. Um, aligned with this this kind of window, so you got to hope that some of those players don't don't make it. Um, but this time around, it's just been mainly because of COVID. Players not coming back due to just quarantine costs. Quarantine. They usually get the what, the one month off and then they're back at training. They're not, probably not going to spend all of that in quarantine. Donga will get two key players out of isolation soon. That's Ben Damifuna and Sam Vaka for the upcoming two-match World Cup qualifying series against Manu Samoa. The winner will secure their breath in the 2023 tournament in France, while the loser will play off against the Cook Islands. i tell you what, that's going to be a much more exciting game to watch, so uh, look out for that. And that's our show for this week. If you want to hear more from Champions of the Pacific, you can find us online at rnz.co.nz and click on the Pacific tab. You can also download us from Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. Until next time, ka kite anō and go ikaletahi.